The rise of technology in manufacturing is providing the means for businesses to run more smoothly and operate with greater levels of efficiency. Customer relationship management platforms are constantly improving and their improvements deliver more and more ways that manufacturers can solve problems in areas like operation flow, for example. At the same time, CRM systems like Salesforce are using data analytics to generate customer insights. And those insights are driving greater customer acquisition, satisfaction, and retention levels. This is all good because manufacturers face challenges both internal and external every day. Anything that can lighten the load has to be beneficial. You're listening to Ahead of the Curve, a podcast about digital technology in manufacturing. I'm Chris Henry. Ahead of the Curve is produced by Gerent, one of the top Salesforce solutions and implementation providers in the world. Our guest today is Gerent's Vice President of Sales, Eric Satterthwaite, who is on the manufacturing front lines every day. He spent enough time with C-suite executives to know what sorts of problems they face, and we will explore some of those today, along with how Gerent solves them. Manufacturers realize more and more that they can positively transform aspects of their business processes using technology. But as Eric says, that can mean just about anything. There is one point where the various views on digital transformation intersect, and it's something that Eric refers to as one ear, one voice. They're saying, hey, you know, we need to digitally transform. That means different things to different companies. If you line up five manufacturers and say, what are you trying to do? They'll all say, we're trying to, we're going through digital transformation projects. And you say, what does that mean to you? You get five different answers. Sure. But one thing that is consistent in that, the one point of intersection is this one ear, one voice. And it is that elimination of data silos, the ability to offer one ear to the customer so that the customer is able to say something to one group within the company. And it's the same as saying it to every group in that company. Mm-hmm. So if they tell their salesperson, Hey, this is what we're doing or where's my stuff or whatever it is, that information hits the warehouse. It hits accounting. It hits customer service. It hits whoever it is that needs to see it. But one ear, one voice is very much a two-way street. If a company needs to communicate something to a customer, everyone else in the company is aware of the message that goes out. There's never confusion on where either the customer or the company stands on the resolution of a problem. Internally, it's big too because you have these different data silos, people working, doing their own things, not knowing what the other groups are doing, and it, it kind of removes those barriers. Mm-hmm. So even if it isn't client-facing, it could be in companies that are manufacturing based on uh, made-to-order train engines. You know, there's a couple of different companies that come to mind, and they it takes maybe 18 to 24 months for them to build out, a, you know, custom engines. And so they need to have all this collaboration between the groups, but it's very difficult when there's not a centralized place for them to be able to communicate and share information, schematics, blueprints, communications internally and externally. 
So, you know, it's really difficult. So even on those internal communications, you want to remove those data silos so everyone knows what's happening. Now, before a customer agrees to have a manufacturer make a product, the customer likely will want to see a sample to ensure its integrity. Seems straightforward, but manufacturers often have no organized way to control requests for samples. What happens is a business fails to capture the incoming requests in a way that's visible to everyone in the company. This means those handling the requests have to bring others up to speed on what the sample should consist of and then ensure that it's made and shipped out and, oh yeah, somebody needs to tell the folks in sales about this new lead. Well, without having any one system to be able to capture the the, uh, request, to be able to make sure that it gets routed to the right group, to make sure that it gets fulfilled and that communications then are distributed both internally to the right groups and externally. So you can have proper follow-up, you know, it's, it's all guesswork. And a lot of the possible opportunities fall through the cracks. It leads to customer dissatisfaction because if somebody says, look, every time I call there for a sample, you know, it's hit or miss and it takes way too long for me to get what I'm looking for. And half the times nobody even responds to it. You know what? I'm going to a competitor. So that's a big part of the problem. So the other part of the problem is tracking samples, because in some cases, some of these samples can be costly. And these manufacturing companies are spending a lot of money. They're investing a lot of money in samples that they send out. Well, in one case, one of our customers was a, um, let's say, a manufacturer of they were a fabricator and a manufacturer of uh, hard surfaces. So granite, marble, all these different things, their samples could cost up to a thousand dollars and they would stick these samples in at big box uh, stores like the, the home depots and the Lowe's, but also many of these other fabrication shops all around the country. Well, they were trying to track where these samples were on spreadsheets and they weren't doing a good job of it. So they knew they were really losing six and seven figures of samples, believe it or not, because they just couldn't keep track of what was there and they'd get additional requests. So sometimes people would call in and request three or four of the same sample they already had and they had no way of knowing it, but there's a big cost associated with that. Another aspect that goes hand in hand with sample management is an effective quoting system. Much like keeping a handle on sample requests, maintaining control of price quotes is critical as well. So quoting is definitely an issue. And then things like bundling of products and services. There's a lot of money left on the table for manufacturers, especially when they have independent agents or inside salespeople who are very transactional. And wouldn't it be great to have something that's going to help guide your selling process to say, customers who buy this, you might also want to suggest these add-ons because they go hand in hand. Like, hey, you're buying this. Have you thought about, you know, and then that's a great way to pick up additional, to upsell basically, or even a cross-sell. Like, hey, you're doing this over here. Do you have any need for these things over in this side? Because we also offer this line, which cover. So there's cross-selling and upselling opportunities that are missed. Ways of bundling to deal with discounting are missed oftentimes without effective uh, quoting tools in play. 
even trying to help figure out and configure what's the right way to configure the pricing for quotes. We're dealing with a customer now who has some internal system that just isn't working for them because they don't have product families grouped properly. And they have many permutations of how they can arrive at some type of a price. So they'll have a customer call into a, let's say inside salespeople. Those inside salespeople can't take that information, put it into a system and have a price spit back out. They'll have to go to the actual fulfiller who is the actual uh, end manufacturer. And they'll have to go through whatever they go through to come back and say, based on this specific order, here's your pricing. Wouldn't it be great if they can, and this is what they're doing, wouldn't it be great if they could just have the tools at their disposal, they don't have to reach out to fulfillers within minutes instead of waiting days or weeks. You know, They can get the information, they can put it in the system, they can get a response that shows this is what it's going to cost. This is when they're going to be able to get delivery on these things if they were to, to uh, work with them and, and be able to track that stuff quickly and easily. Because without it, that end customer can say, well, it's going to take that long. Okay. They'll keep calling around until they get somebody who can do it. And if somebody can spit it out right then, they might lose out on that sale. Perhaps the biggest challenge for manufacturers revolves around sales forecasting and the direct impact that forecasting has on production planning. It's an area that continues to bedevil many businesses. A company, an end-user customer, will purchase X amount of widgets, let's say, or chemicals or whatever, from the manufacturer. And the salespeople are out there talking. The salesperson says, okay, planning for the next year, you purchased X from us. Here's your typical buying pattern can we assume that you're going to do this and maybe an extra X percent? And the customer says, yes or no, here's what I think I can do. They agree, but that agreement is not often in blood. It is a, uh, a gentle person's agreement, if you will. <laughs> and so it's like, hey, we're going to do this. Great. The company then starts to plan and starts to build or make or put together and process whatever it is that needs to happen based on that high-level agreement. Well, now that stuff has to be housed, warehoused somewhere, and the company's expecting the customer to take that product. You move into the year, now you're looking at actuals, you're forecasting, how do we break that X widgets out over a 12-month span? And there isn't often a tie-in, there's not a frequent tie-in from what are they really buying versus what did they say they were going to buy? And are we on schedule? Are we way behind schedule? Wow, are they buying even more than we thought? We're going to run out of stuff for them. We need to maybe make and build and, and do some more. What we've seen a lot is you'll go eight, nine, ten months into the year, and all of a sudden it's a crisis because now the company realizes, the manufacturer realizes, wow, they should have bought significantly more product based on what they said. And now we're sitting here with this product. How are we going to get rid of it? Wow, we're going to lose money. We're now going to have to dump this and sell it at pennies on the dollar to other companies who might want to take it on. Even though much of today's technology is designed to drive greater efficiency in manufacturing processes, Eric points out that many companies are not early adopters. There's an attitude of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, without a clear definition of what broke actually means today. Many companies, 
see no reason to reinvent how they manufacture. Their customers aren't complaining, so why change? Well, for one reason. It's called a global economy. So many supply chains today are global. The search for new customers has to be global as well. So oftentimes you walk into a manufacturing plant and the way they're doing business today is the way they were doing business 30, 50, 70 years ago. There's a gun manufacturer that uh, I went into years back and I saw how they were in the way they were doing business is exactly the way they're even just assembling the, the product is exactly the way it was decades earlier. So you see that a lot. So how are you going to expand outside of the people who know you? Many manufacturers are small, mid-sized, um, even small enterprise or in the, the early stages of growing to become larger enterprises. They're not household names. You know, so how are they going to go beyond that base of customer who already knows them? And in the past, they didn't worry about that. It was word of mouth. Maybe people within a certain mile radius of their plants knew who they were. Uh, and that worked well. But now we have a global economy. So no longer are you just competing with the, the firms who do what you do in your area or your region, but you're competing against people all around the globe. And what we're finding is those companies, many of these other companies that are saying, hey, we've got to expand, they're using automation to reach out to additional prospective customers, identifying who they are, and then using technology to target these people, to attract them, people who didn't even know they existed. So if you stand and do nothing, if you, you know, law of inertia, right, things are going to happen. You can't just stand by and watch and wait and, you know, hope that the same customer base that's been buying from you will continue to buy because little by little, you're going to have this erosion take place. They're going to go and wander and stray. So you also have to be, as a manufacturer, reaching out to new areas, to new markets, trying to attract new customers, let them know what you're all about, what you're doing, and how you're better and how you can you know, win their hearts and minds. Another issue that may prove to be the most difficult one for manufacturers is one that's also entirely human, and that's demographics. An aging workforce in the manufacturing sector is a reality, and unless companies move fast to respond to it, there could be trouble in River City. We're finding that in many of these manufacturing companies, close to 50% you know, depends on the company, but 40 to 60% of their workforce is looking to retire within 10 to 15 years. Think about that. Half the workforce retiring in a decade. So it's bad enough when Sarah and Bill, who have worked for you for 30, 40 years, are retiring. That's painful enough, but it's even more painful when you realize that they're walking out, of, out the door with all this tribal knowledge that they have in their heads. They know how to get around the process or the purchasing group at this company. They know when this person's spouse's, the CEO spouse's birthday is and what the favorite wine is or restaurant so they can send out a nice thing to say, hey, happy birthday or happy anniversary. They know how things work and they can get stuff done. When they leave, if you don't capture all of that tribal knowledge that has been 
obtained over the last 30, 40 years, it's the same as never having it. You bring someone brand new in, it's going to take a while to onboard that person or those people. They don't have that knowledge of what the customer wants, needs, how to get things done. Business suffers. It suffers. So the happier problem is being able to bring in those Gen X, Gen Yers and just trying to retain them. That, yes, sure, that is definitely a problem. But the bigger problem there is, how, do you, how are you going to attract those Gen X and Gen Yers? You have this retiring workforce. Let's face it, manufacturing is not a sexy industry by and large. So most kids aren't growing up saying, when I grow up, I want to go work for a company that makes that those chemicals. Or that, it's not typically how it works. If you think about the Gen X, Gen Yers, my generation, your generation, we put technology into the kids' hands from the time they were babies. There's an expectation. These kids, have they're very technologically adept, right, at doing whatever they want and need to do. How can you take these young adults going into the workforce, hire them and say, oh, but we don't really have technology here. <laughs> they're not going to want to... They're not going to join, or if they do, they're not going to stay. There's an expectation that you're going to have to automate in order to bring these, these people in to, to work, or they're going to go somewhere else. So it's a, it's a real challenge that the industry is facing, and more and more we're seeing companies get that, and they're starting to try to really move into the 21st century with regards to technology. Do you think... You know, in, in, in terms of the manufacturers, um, clients that, that you're dealing with uh, through Jarrett, do you think they understand technology well enough to make valid decisions on what to purchase and implement? Oh, that's, a, that's a tricky one. Uh, it, I'll say it depends. It depends on the level of knowledge of the people who are heading those initiatives. So when you have folks who have done it in other places, whether it's maybe other industries or the same industry, but they did automate for some other company, yes. But by and large, I would say not really. Here's the good news. The good news is people are starting to ask the questions. They're starting to realize here are the deficiencies. They don't really understand how to get where they are, but at least now they're able to articulate the problems. They can say, we're struggling here. Now, we don't know how we're going to get over there, but that's where we need to be. What is that remediation plan to get us from where we are to where we know we want and need to be? And so they're reaching out. And there's, that's sort of the process that we're, we're seeing many of these uh, companies, manufacturers go through. And that's where Salesforce and companies like Jarrett get involved and try to help educate them around, you know, what's going on based on whatever it is that they're looking to do. There's got to be a heavy uh, element of consultation needed then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of time spent because this isn't just taking technology, slapping it in. Um it's as much about process, even more so about more about process than it is about technology, because you can still do math without a calculator, right? You can still do, it's just that a calculator is going to help you do it faster, maybe more efficiently. Same with 
in manufacturing companies. A lot of the same stuff you can do without having to use any automation. But if you automate, if you put the time and effort in and you're going to go do that, you don't want to copy and paste the same process into the new platform or you're not going to see those gains. What you want and need to do is to be able to say, great, this gives us an opportunity to kind of look at how we're doing things and say, is this the best way? What is the most effective, most efficient way to deal with this in this group or in that group? And how should we communicate and take the blinders off and not say, this is the way we've always done it. So let's just keep doing it, but use technology to do that. You're never going to get the ROI you anticipated if you do that copy-paste mode. There is a lot of process and consulting and conversations around that that have to go on. And once you can identify what that process should be, then you marry the technology, the world's most powerful platform is Salesforce, and then you can model Salesforce to the requirements and the needs of those specific customers and that's how they're going to really see the biggest benefit for the investment that they can make. We've explored a number of issues or pain points faced by manufacturers, and Eric's touched on some strategic approaches to solving them. So let's get into some detail about which CRM products off the Salesforce shelf can work best. Across the Salesforce platform, in manufacturing, really most of the platform, really all of the platform, everything from so sales cloud, being able to track and manage customer communications, being able to store documents and, and work with them. Service, the service cloud component, which is think about case management, think about things like, do they have any, any types of commitments to customers to get certain customers handled in a faster period of time than other customers? Um, so service level agreements. That's all tied into service and how you service the customer. Communities, which is that portal-like technology that gives these manufacturers the ability to communicate with customers and share information with customers that they can use service cloud and communities to come in and have those self-service moments or to be able to work with those channel partners, those independent sales agents, or even sample management, right? Giving people the ability to use the community to submit sample requests by way of uh, service cloud also, and be able to track where their samples are and when the samples are coming in. That's all big stuff. Configure price quote, CPQ, the, the CPQ cloud, thinking of that and saying that Salesforce has this tool that gives them that ability to do that effective quoting that we talked about and marry that in even e-commerce which we, I know we really didn't touch on today, but Commerce Cloud in being able to go and, and conduct transactions, financial transactions, still within the Salesforce platform. So there's a lot there and a lot that the customers can do and, and are starting to do. Uh, and Salesforce is even rolling out Manufacturing Cloud, which is going to incorporate a lot of these, a lot of these things into it. The new manufacturing cloud from Salesforce holds great promise for the manufacturing sector, and we'll be getting into that in detail in the near future. Suffice it to say, digital transformation is not just a promise, it's being applied and the results are significant. Manufacturers need to begin seeing themselves as digital first technology companies. 
And that's becoming evident with the advent of so-called product-as-a-service models that are offering a one-stop shopping experience for a company's customers. Our thanks today go to Eric Satterthwaite, Gerent's VP of Sales, for his input in the program, and to you for listening. Ahead of the Curve is produced by Gerent in cooperation with Salesforce. Our technical producer is Dave Grine from the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto. I'm Chris Henry. We'll see you next time.